Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen and amen. Anyone glad they're in in church today here at the campuses at home? Man, alive. It's a good day to be with you. So welcome to 12 Stone, whether you're gathering at one of our campuses or whether you're gathering in home groups across the country. We're so glad that you're joining us this, this weekend because we're in a really cool season as a church. See, God's calling us to move forward. Everyone say that word with me on three. One, two, three. Forward. That was half okay. I want it, I want it like you believe it. God's calling us to move forward. There you go. Someone was mad about it. Forward. That's right. God's calling us as a church to move forward. And last weekend, we introduced a statement. Pastor Kevin introduced a statement for us that as a church, we're moving forward this way. We're going to be biblically conservative, socially compassionate with common sense. That's who we are as a church. That's how we're moving forward. And perhaps this week, you looked at your coffee different. Anybody? You here last weekend, you're like, so am I allowed to add sugar to my coffee? Or am I being a heretic if I, if I do so? See, maybe if you missed last weekend, you got to catch up because that made no sense to you. We talked last weekend about what it means to be biblically conservative. And then we we unpacked the thought together of what God's calling this church to in regards to transforming families in the next generation that we're going to pour biblical knowledge, biblical values, and biblical decision-making into the next generation. Again, if you missed last weekend, you've got to catch up because God's calling our church forward. And that's the season that we are sitting inside, and we're sitting inside the book of Philippians. And this whole book is sort of a book that points us forward as a church. And it was Paul writing a letter to the church of Philippi. When when he writes letters to the churches, he was doing it because he's calling them to move forward. They were stuck somewhere with something, and so Paul would write a letter that's now our Bible. It's been canonized into the Word of God, but at the time it was a letter where Paul was going, listen, church of Philippi, you're stuck somewhere I need to help you know how to move forward into something. And today we're going to be sitting inside of Philippians 2, and Paul's going to talk to us about how we interact with each other. And it's almost like, if you, could, if you know Philippians 2, it's like, Paul, did you get in a time machine and write it to the American church today? Did you, did you get in a time machine and look at what's happening in our culture and go, I got some thoughts for you because maybe the church of Philippi was a lot like the American church right now. And maybe the culture of the city of Philippi was a lot like the culture of what's going on around us because this passage of scripture is so dead on where we live. It's going to amaze you. And I love the word of God because it's just true through all time. But this today specifically is so dead on where we live. Here's the big idea for all of us today. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Here's the big idea. When Jesus changes you, he changes how you interact with people. When Jesus changes you, when you bow to Jesus as Lord and Savior, he doesn't just change your future and change your eternity and change your soul and change your heart from dead to alive again. He changes how we should interact with each other. And sometimes we mess this up, don't we? Watch the news. We're not doing so hot, right? We've got to figure this out. What Paul's saying is when Jesus changes you, it doesn't just change your belief, it changes your behaviors. 
The gospel doesn't stop as just a doctrinal belief here. It has to change how we interact with people around us. And Paul starts with the first half of the, 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 the second chapter and says, here's how the church should interact with each other. That's us. And then he says, this is how you as a believer should interact with people in the world. And so it's sort of part one, part two. So we're going to start with part one. When Jesus changes you, it should change how you interact with each other. And he starts with the church. Here's what he says in Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2. I want to read this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do you sense the tone? If you have any encouragement... Like if you, if you have any encouragement being united with Jesus, it feels like me as a parent talking to my kids, like when they're fighting, you're like, if you have any gratitude for what I've done for you, just don't fight with each other. Parent, have you been there? Hands up. Let's make each other feel, wow, I feel way worse. Okay, thank you. I, I know that feeling. Like if you love me at all, if you care that your mom carried you for nine months and that we've paid for this house and the clothes you're wearing, just get along. Can you feel that in how Paul's talking? It must mean that the church of Philippi looks a lot like the American church. They might not be getting along. You see, Paul starts out with an if-then statement. If you are united with Christ, then be unified with each other. Paul's inviting the church. Listen, he's saying this. Church, when Jesus changes you, he changes how you interact with each other. When Jesus transforms your heart, he changes how we interact. And the book of Philippians is full of the core doctrine of our belief system as followers of Jesus. And I find it interesting that Paul, in the midst of laying out doctrine, Paul takes this doctrine into our relationships. Like I, people are always like, man, take me somewhere deep in doctrine. Talk to me about salvation and sanctification and justification through faith and regeneration. Talk about the deep stuff. And Paul's like, I am. The way you guys treat each other is part of our core doctrine. Jesus, after he washed the disciples' feet, he said, listen, they will know you by the way you love each other. That's what Paul's inviting us to. Once we're unified vertically, we have to be unified horizontally, and we have to get this right here in the church. See, the world's got enough fighting and bickering amongst each other. We have to be different because Jesus has made us different, right? We, we got to get this right here. In a world that tries to tell you, you have the most in common with the little camps that you're entrenched with. When the world tries to say, listen, you have the most in common with the people you voted like, or the people you look like, or the people that share your hobbies, Paul goes, nope, you have the most in common with the people who have found Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. Say, listen, there is nothing like the unity that comes from a bunch of sinners that found salvation in Jesus. Paul's calling us to something. And listen, when I say unity, unity does not require us to agree on everything, because I can guarantee you we don't. But it it requires that we have unity on the most important thing and agree on the most important thing, and that's the person of Jesus. And Paul goes, let me tell you how this should look. Here's what he says in the next two verses. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. 
It's like, listen, you have to be unified as a church. How? You have to get rid of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Selfish ambition is this. It's motivated or is a motivation to elevate yourself above somebody else. It's to look after your own interests first. Vain conceit means excessive pride or self-esteem that has no foundation in reality. It means how you see yourself in the mirror is not how you are. Paul's saying, listen, if you want to be unified, it is found in humbling yourself. Do you want to know what will kill a marriage, a relationship, a business partnership, a church, you and your roommate's relationship? Selfish ambition and vain conceit will ruin every relationship you're a part of. See, the core nature of a healthy marriage is putting your spouse above yourself. If you've been married longer than 15 minutes, you realize that's the only way this works in the long haul. <laughs> Try putting yourself first. See how long your marriage lasts. That's not a challenge. Don't do that. <laughs> See, the nature of healthy parenting is putting the good of the family above yourself. It's why you used to play golf a lot more than you do now, dads. You put your family above yourself. The nature of a healthy business is putting the good of the company above yourself. The nature of being a good neighbor is putting your neighbors above yourself. The nature of a healthy church is us putting others above ourselves. That's what God's called us to. That's what Paul is calling us to. And in some ways, this bar is not high. Like, just have unity here. That bar is not high, but it's hard. You want to know why I know it's hard? Because it's hard for me to get over myself. This always comes out for me when we make pizza orders. I'm pretty cheap as a person. If you know me, like I'm pretty conservative financially. And so I'd rather just get like cheese pizzas. They're way cheaper. My wife, on the other hand, likes exotic things. Have you heard of the jeu de bleu? I don't know what that is. And it's twice the amount for the same amount of cheese and bread and sauce, right? And you, you see it play out inside of that. And for the first, you can ask my wife, the first six, seven years of marriage, every time we order pizza, we got in a fight. Because I was like, I, I'm not going to spend that cash. If you want pepperonis, you got pepperonis at home. Put them on the pizza at home. Some of you wives are like, you're the worst. It took me, we've been married now for 15 years. It took me half our marriage to go, you know what? I'm going to put her above myself. Listen, baby. And now this is me. I'm like, listen, baby, you get you some meat. You get you whatever topping you want. And, and let me tell you, pizza night is way better than it used to be. <laughs> Selfish ambition, vain conceit. The bar's not high, but it's hard. You know how I know? Because two of the most successful, gifted, talented, rich golfers can't get this right. Anybody like PGA golf? I'm curious. Handful of you. I don't watch every weekend. It's just way too long, but I always watch the majors, the masters. Is there anything like it? Oh, it's beautiful. Some of you are like, I don't get this. I don't care. I love it. I love this. Last weekend is my favorite golf event of the year. It's called the Ryder Cup. Anyone watch the Ryder Cup? I love it. It's, it's two teams. It's America versus the world. I love it. Feels like 1776. Anyway, it, it's a beautiful thing. And what it, here's the difference. Golf is an individual sport. Some 60 golfers show up to a tournament, and it's each of them versus each other. The Ryder Cup, they pick the best 10 golfers from America and the best 10, 10 golfers from overseas, and they say, you guys compete to see who's better, and they're now on a team. But there are two players that if you watch the PGA, you know all cameras were on them last weekend. Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. You know those names? They don't even ring a bell? No? I love this stuff. I love golf. 
Get in this with me. So Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepler, two sort of young up-and-coming golfers, and they hate each other. It all started like 13-year-old middle school girls. Like two years ago, Bryson DeChambeau was playing slow, and Brooks sort of did a passive-aggressive statement to the press going, that guy plays slow. And then, this, then, then, then Bryson goes, who do you think you are? I'm playing better than you are. I can play as slow as I want. And they go back and forth. These are grown men who have a hundred times the cash most of us in this room have. Successful, wildly, on TV every weekend, and they're in a little cat fight with each other. And it keeps escalating. They start sending memes on social media about each other, making fun of each other. They, they, uh, Bryson DeChambeau walks behind Brooks Kepka's interview on the, on the Golf Channel and does this, and just trolls him. And he turns around and goes, ugh, and says a word under his breath he shouldn't say. This whole drama's playing out. They both got picked to play on the Ryder team last weekend. Drama was at an all-time high. Listen, for you ladies that like watching the Real Housewives of whatever stupid city you watch, listen, that's what this was. This was Real House Men of the Ryder Cup. We were all, if that show gets launched, I want a cut. They were all, they were all watching. How are these two guys that literally are arch rivals, they can't stand each other, how are they going to play? And here's the picture of what happened on the 18th green at the end of the last day. Let's show that picture. They're hugging. Listen, can't, don't, ladies like, oh, that's sweet. Listen, they're, they're still not friends yet. They're, they're figuring it out. What happened? They hated each other. And they might still not like each other that much. What happened? They were called to something higher than themselves. Church, don't miss this. See, when they were picked for the rider team, they went from being individuals who could fight to being on a team who had to fight for each other. They were under a bigger flag than their own name. See, one of the things that's complicated about the PGA Tour is you fly your own flag every weekend. Your name's on your bag. I'm fighting for Bryson DeChambeau. I'm, I'm fighting for Brooks Kepka. And in that day, their names no longer mattered. It was the flag they were fighting for. See, here's the video of the press conference, because everyone was waiting for this moment, of them grabbing, by the way, America won real big last weekend, if you're paying attention. You as, anyway, they won big. And here's the press conference after the event. I want you to see them hug it out. Check this out. If you care about golf, that was a monumental moment. That, that was not going to happen for any reason, any way, shape, or form. It happened because they were both about something bigger than themselves. And that's where Paul takes this next. Listen, if you need to know why we have to bring unity to the table, because we have to be about something bigger than ourselves. And Paul gives that to us in the next verses. Here's the flag that we fly, that we fight underneath of. This is our core doctrine. In your relationships with one another, that's us, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. 
Church, we should be louder than that. Amen? Amen. That's the flag that we stand underneath. This is our doctrine. Listen, our doctrine should bring a humble unity inside the church. When you realize who Jesus is, it should bring a humble unity inside your marriage. When you bow and carry the flag of Christ, it should bring a humble unity into how you interact at work and in your family and in your friendships and in your neighborhood. But Paul doesn't stop there. He takes it from inside the walls, those of us who are followers of Jesus, to how we interact in the world. I told you, he, it feels like he's writing to us now in this time. Here's what he says in the next two verses, 14 to 16. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without what? Grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, harsh then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Listen, here's what he's saying. If you will interact in the world without grumbling and arguing, you will shine like the stars in the sky. And you go, that feels like a low bar. It is. Why? Because our generation is warped and crooked. The more warped and crooked our world gets, the more us simply being decent people, we will stand out. As our world begins to spiral, the more it spirals, the more we stand out simply by being decent people. Listen, our doctrine should lead us to treat the world with decency. They're not the enemy. Bryson, Brooks is not your enemy. You're fighting against the other team. Church, the world is not your enemy. God's calling us to treat them with decency. This is all about souls ultimately, isn't it? We want people to know Jesus. And here's here's how it used to work. It used to be this. People would care about my doctrine, and I would explain my doctrine. And this is how people would come to faith 10, 15 years ago. They would go, what do you believe? That's what doctrine is. What do you believe? And we'd lay out our doctrine. We believe Jesus is this. We believe this. We believe this. And they would make a decision. And once they said yes and agreed with our doctrine, then they'd come in relationship and we'd treat them decently. The world has shifted and it requires that we treat people decently before they'll even listen to our doctrine. Do you, have you seen the shift? They want to know that you're a decent human being. People will watch your relationships before they'll listen to your doctrine. And church... Let me say it bluntly. The future of evangelism is decency. How do we spread the gospel? It's what Paul's saying in Philippians 2. Be a decent person. Treat people decently. People don't care who your savior is if you treat people like garbage. And what God's calling us to is he's calling us back to evangelism. The world needs Jesus, but it's not going to happen like it used to. We have to be decent people because Jesus Christ has changed us, so it changes our relationships. It means, church, you got to be decent in traffic. you got 12-stone stickers on your car. <laughs> Listen, it means you got to be decent when you go out to eat. Listen, if you're going out to eat, you're accepting that nobody's working and there's two waitresses for 100 people. Treat them decent. Carry the name of Jesus right. Listen, when you've had a long day at work and you come home to your kids and you're exhausted or you've been with your kids all day and your spouse comes home from work, treat people decent. Listen, be a decent neighbor. 
Jesus is calling his church to be decent people. See, what did the Ryder Cup coach say? Brooks, the Shambo, bro, just be decent with each other so we can be about the Ryder Cup. What's Paul saying to the church? Church, can you just be decent to each other and decent to the world? Because we are chasing something bigger than ourselves. See, the future of evangelism is decency. And I wonder if we've gotten off course over these last 18 months. See, when our worlds shrink in and everything gets locked down and things get complicated, it's so easy to get back into selfish ambition, vain conceit, and you figured out how to dig yourself out of the last 18 months by being about yourself and elevating yourself. And God today might be saying, listen, you're going to destroy your marriage if you keep doing that. You're going to destroy your business if you keep doing that. You're going to destroy your friendships if you keep doing that. You're going to destroy your witness to a world who needs Jesus now more than ever if you keep doing that. See, last weekend we talked about what it means to transform families. Today, we talked about what it means to transform souls. And listen, when I talk about golf, you can roll your eyes and yawn. That's okay. doesn't hurt my feelings. Because I guarantee you, you got stuff you care about that I could give a rip about. <laughs> How many of you have hobbies that you love and the people around you don't love them? Curious? I love baking. Great. I like the end result. I could care less about learning. I love this show. I love this thing. Who cares? Listen, but when Jesus brings up souls, that's not his hobby that we can be disinterested in. That is his heart, and we are all in on that. Right, church? And that is what we're talking about today. So Pastor Kevin's going to hop out, and we're going to have a conversation about what this looks like for us moving forward as a church. What does it look like for us to be about souls? Come on, man. The future of evangelism is treating people with decency. That is fantastic. Yes. Help Amen. Now, Help listen, this, 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 uh, I love golf thing, which is awesome. I, I enjoy golf. Let Your me son hear. loves golf. So he's a good he guy. does. He loves golf. So America won the Ryder Cup. The reaction is, woo! but it's that UGA took down the Razorbacks. Jesus transforms us from death to life, right? We're, ta we're talking about the big stuff, that Jesus transforms us one person at a time. So this is going to be uh, a marking, Holy Spirit-defining day for us as a church because we get to deliver uh, more of the forward so I remember, uh, Jason, um, I don't know, what, <laughs> what year were you born? 1982. 82. Well, you were five years old, <laughs> and God called us to plant the church, and that was just reorienting to life because people mattered to God, and so uh, changed one life. By the way, I, he still goes here. Tony Alper was the first person to come to faith in Jesus at 12, so it was about the one that always has been, and yay, God, that's you, you can celebrate that. Yay, God, that's fantastic. <laughs> But then I remember, that was like for 20 years, you know, vision, you know, reach people far from God. And, and that one times as many as God will give us uh, capacity and impact for his kingdom. And, and then he shifted things about 20 years into the church. And it's one church in many locations. And we started to add campuses. And that was 
transforming and, and awakening and, and shifting to who we are. God has something for us going forward. And so I, want, I hope the gravity of it lands on your soul. So Jason, take us in. The, these last 18 months has been um, uh, uh, shifting to our country and to Just how the joy. kingdom works. A yeah. lot of fun. Everybody having a great time uh, in all this. But, but in the midst of this, God has settled a statement that now uh, sits in your soul. It sits in mine. Uh, it sits in the elders, the lead team, the staff. Uh, give us the statement because it's the next shift, if you will, of what it means for us to go forward. So talk about it. Yeah, we, let me just say it and we can unpack it. What if God would allow us to have a gospel presence in every one of the 50 states? And that, that feels like a massive bomb. Like we go off, what does that even mean? We talked last week about how what we can say has been narrowed, not by us, but by culture, but who we can reach has been broadened in this last 18 months. And there's some things that shifted with technology and culture that have allowed us to be a part of something that we believe God could actually give us a gospel presence in all of the 50 states. And that, that is locally here in Georgia, across the territory, and across the United States. What if God would allow us to do that over these next two to five years? Which again, you can't absorb the gravity of it till we unpack it. Uh, so let's, let's unpack it because that's 12 stone campuses and that's 12 stone home. So those two working together and the latter has emerged through these last 18 months. But let's reinforce who we are and what God's already building and the opportunities. It, it's certainly 12 stone campuses right, right here where we are. This kind of a rebuild. Things are coming semi-normal. Somewhat. <laughs> yeah, let, let me tell you the two things that I would ask. If I could ask anything of the church, here's, here's what I would ask. That we would rebuild relationships inside the church, and they would rebuild reach outside the church. Like, God, would, would you reinvest in relationships? Maybe this last 18 months, you've realized relationships matter a lot more than you thought they did. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I would raise my hand. How many of you ever felt lonely in the last 18 months? There's hands even though I didn't ask, right? There's been moments where you realize, oh my goodness, I'm doing life by myself. And I used to be around people yeah. when I was just doing things. And when everything got shut down, I realized I didn't have real relationships. Rebuild relationships inside the walls. And let's rebuild reach outside the walls. Our world needs Jesus now more than ever. Yeah. And back to the teaching. Can we just be decent people wherever we go? So that when we talk about the name of Jesus, they go, I believe whatever he changed in you, he could change in me. We have nothing to offer for fighting with each other and being jerks out in, the, out in the community, right? Like, let's rebuild our reach, invite people to be. We just had 10 students accept Christ two weeks ago because friends invited friends and they brought people here and we celebrate that. And so we're going to rebuild relationships, rebuild reach, and we think this next season, those are the two things that we should be majoring on inside the walls. So that, that's the campuses. We're one church, many locations. That was the campus thing. That's rebuilding. But God's opened up doors that have expanded into a next layer, if you will, a next wake to, to influence for the kingdom. Uh, talk about the partner church. Like, this is just a seed. This is the early stuff that God is unfolding. So talk about the, the indie church. Yeah, we have a church called Harvest Church. Everyone say, what's up, Harvest? Give them a hello from 12 Stone. What's up? There's Let's a... get them to say Harvest, okay? Say, because uh -huh. it's Southern to say hey. So say, hey, Harvest on the count of three, because they're going to get this. You ready? One, two, three. Hey, hey harvest. harvest. It's awesome. Awesome. That was loud. Well done. 
Well, hey, Harvest, we're glad you're with us. There's a church in uh, Northeast Indianapolis, a church that serves a couple hundred people that uh, over the last 18 months, it's been complicated to lead yeah. church. Can I just be honest for us? It's complicated in the last 18 months to figure out how to move forward. And this church was looking for help. Great church, great people, but they said, we need help. And they came into sort of a kingdom network with us, and they're partnering with us, and we're helping them with coaching and with resourcing, and they use a lot of our teachings up there. They, they now do sort of growth track and our foundation stuff, and we don't know exactly where that's going to head, but we think that's the first fruit of many that we think across this territory we can help churches because it's not just about us. It's about the kingdom of God advancing, and that's the first one of hopefully many of those. Now, with that, the campus calling is deep in us, mm -hmm. and uh, we had Vision 2021, and then we had what we know over the past 18 months, and, but, but God has stirred something over these last 18 months. Can you talk a little bit about next campus, where, where, where we think God's calling us next? Yeah, we're, we're not done with what God's calling us to in this territory. When God brought you guys here 30-some years ago and planted 12 stone here, we're not done 30-some years later. And we believe in this territory. And we, we believe, again, we're going to unpack this next week. We've got to give more details. Yeah. Where, when, we'll how, no. why, all yeah. this stuff. But you can consider this an announcement. We are going to be launching a campus in Jackson County, Jefferson sort of area. And if you're at the Brazelton campus, you're losing your mind because you've been blowing me up and us up with, we got to launch a campus up here. It's been hard to invite friends from the Jackson area down into the Brazelton campus. So we think there's several hundred people from the Brazelton campus that will help us launch that we're not done. There's more in the years to come, but that's the next one. And the Brazelton campus, we know we built that sort of temporary knowing yeah. there'd be a phase two, yeah. and we're going to finish that out a little differently than we thought, but we're going to make a permanency there, call it a 500, 550 seat, wrap that, be done, launch up into Jackson County and the Jefferson sort of area. So if you know people there, let them know we're coming. We got more details coming for that next weekend, but we're, we're not done launching campuses locally here. So we're excited. Come on church. Yay, God, we get to go do this together. What a wonderful thing. Praise now, God. When we would, when we would talk in previous times, Oh, we would, oh, here, here's where God's opening a door for a campus, or here's where, where reach is being expanded, and, and, and that's shifted. I mean, something has fundamentally changed in us as uh, kingdom leaders and pastors and, and the whole leadership, and, and you've been experiencing some of it, but, but we're going to press in right now, because this thought, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if you can yet get it, a gospel presence in every one of the 50 states. I mean, we were just about local. It was just one church. And then say, like, oh no, multiple location. Because each one matters and God opens doors. How do we go do this? Which was never on our heart or our mind uh, 18 months ago. So Jason, let's, let's talk about 12 stone home and we're on a journey. So let's just be honest. This is, there's a big learning curve. There's a lot of R and D. There's a lot of fire for what God is uh, pushing forward. feel like God opened the door. We didn't even create it. But uh, after a while, when God opens the door so wide, you can't just be stupid. You got to go, oh, hey, look at that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Impressive, God. Out. You'd like to take credit, but you can't. Uh -huh. Talk about um, what is 12 stone home. Let me start here. Let's be transparent, can we? Would you? 18 months ago, uh, when everything shut down, yeah. we sat in a room and went, what do we, what do, we do? <laughs> Anyone feel like that in the last 18 months? 
It you ran, you like ran a business. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do we do? So what's, what, did, what did we do for church? And it sort of almost fell out, 12 Stone Home. And they're like, what's that? Let me get back to you. And that was the origins of 12 Stone Home. Great leadership, right? Like, what do you do? You don't have to tell them everything. <laughs> that was how it started. And we're like, it's a thing where you do 12 Stone, but it's in your home. That's smart. That was the start of 12 Stone Home. And now, 18 months later, we believe God has anointed it. And we believe it is a full expression of the local church. What started as a stepping stone to get us through these last 18 months has now become a cornerstone of how we're going to move forward as a church. If you're in Tulsa Home, you're losing your mind right now. This is not going away. We're pouring gas on what that looks like in Tulsa Home. Let, let me interrupt you because we already had Tulsa online. So like, mm -hmm. like what, what is the difference? I know the Tulsa Home are listening like, yes, tell everybody. But, but what, what is the difference? That's a great question. We had Tulsa online. Thank you for that. Uh, we had 12 Stone Online for like a decade, which means you watch church online and it serves you really well for seasons of time. You're traveling, you're, you're out of work, on a, out for a business trip or your kids have travel ball and you're, you kind of keep up with church. That's great. But what 12 Stone Home is, is something completely different. Just because they're watching a stream doesn't mean it's the same thing as online. 12 Stone Home is a full expression of the local church, meaning worship, community, and impact. We believe if you want to be a local church, a full expression of what God created the church to be, it's worship. You gather with others and you worship and you live inside of community. You're in relationship with other people. Jesus didn't create you to say, be a follower of Jesus and then go live out in the woods by yourself and figure this out. No, you're supposed to do it in relationship, community. And then third, impact. You're called to make an impact in your neighborhood. Like wherever God's put you, you are called to not just be, in your words, a cul-de-sac of your own life, but to Bless the people around you. Make an impact right where you live. And 12 Stone Home does all three of those things inside of living rooms and tap rooms and coffee shops all over the place. And so that's the difference between online and 12 Stone Home. For and us. this is truly awakening for us in that uh, being those who live in the, the work of the kingdom, pastors and ministry, churches attended a pick. Like, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're a church in one location. We got a space and a place that we meet. And, that, and God uses that. And then some have gone into multi-campus and God's opened the door for us. And then others go over here and they, they do like house church. Yeah. And they, they have this expression of the church. This is, this is awakening. The full deal, man. This is, we think God is saying you can do all of that in one church. And so you want to gather in local expression of a, of a campus. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But there is a way to move across the country and watch God transform souls, families, and community through 12 Stone Home full expression. Absolutely. All right. So talk about how that's unfolding. Where yeah. is that unfolding? How's that unfolding? Where are we? What's happening that makes this a, oh, okay. I can see how that could, un that's yeah. three, five, 10 years. We don't know how long God lets this build, but let's go. Yeah. Here locally in Georgia, we've got groups all over the place. We've got Boulder Creek Coffee in downtown Lawrence. We've got the barn out in uh, the Bethlehem territory, which is a trip. If you ever visit the barn, those guys are wild and it's awesome. We've got people meeting in uh, Truck and Tap in Duluth. We've got people in living rooms and apartments and dorm rooms in Athens and Winder and Brazelton, Marietta, Alfreda, all over the, I could list hundreds where Snellville, there's groups all over the place, the territory, dozens of them. But even more so than that, uh, we actually have groups that are launching across the country. Let me, let me give you some names. We've got Zach and Lavin Grant in Tennessee. We've got Courtney and Bob in Maryland. We've got Phoenix and Jennifer in Massachusetts. Got Eric Beck, a friend of mine actually, he used to go here, got moved up there for work up in Maine. We've got Tova in Texas. Any Texas fans? 
There's a couple of y'all. There you go. That was for you, Jeremy Epps, in the back. We got Tova in Texas. We got Sam and Will in Texas. We got Rob and Wendy all the way on the West Coast in California. Amber and Lynn in the state of Washington. Steve and Stephanie in Washington. John and Kim in Washington. These are real people. They were actually here last weekend for our 12 Stone Home Leader Gathering across from First all one. around the world. First yeah. one ever. They all showed up here last weekend. And, and what they're discovering is if God would give you square footage, you don't have to own it. You can rent it in an apartment. If God can give you square footage, you can turn that square footage into a gospel presence where you live. And we're figuring out that the, the speed the kingdom can, can advance is as fast as you'll open your living room or your porch or your backyard or your tap room or your coffee shop. And when we talk about how do we get to 50 states, it's not us building bricks and sticks 50 times. Please, God, no. It's us seeing God call people. And maybe God's doing it right now calling people saying, listen, if, if I've given you a living room, I've given you a kingdom opportunity. And that's what's happening across all these. And these are just the first fruits of hopefully many to come. And here's what's shifted. Maybe you're hearing that and you're thinking, that doesn't captivate me. I like gathering together in the, in the larger environment. I want to be in a room with 12, 20 people. Great. God's saying, I'm going to use both. There are some people that will never walk into the doors of a physical church building. They will never come to Christ there. It, it, they're, they're cynics. They're, they're unresolved. They, don't, they would never walk into that place and space. The world is changing, but there's a whole crop of people far from God who if you invite them in your living room, they're like, what? Yeah, and they walk in and they discover Jesus, and Jesus can do both. Come on, church. Yes. God can do both all in one. Yes. This is amazing. So we think it all comes together. Talk about uh, Spokane. Yeah. We, we got to have an illustration. Yeah, we, we could talk about many of these groups. They have all different stories, but Spokane, the gospel's breaking out in Spokane, man. It is unbelievable. And that group got to come out last weekend. But before they came to us, we sent a video crew out to them. And we wanted to give you a picture. To, like, how, what does 12 Stone Home look like, feel like? What's the experience of it? We want to introduce you to John and Kim. And these are 12 stone home leaders in Spokane, Washington. And you got to catch their disposition because it's beautiful. I want to introduce you to Spokane's 12 stone home. Check it out. Your love is like the ocean tide. It's great, man. Steady as the wind and fierce as fire. And uh, John <laughs> is right there. Falling in. And here's me. Drown the fear. Wake up in the field when the morning comes. With blood on our backs and a brand new song. You can break my body, but you can't break love. Wait, it's all. Yeah. You know, with everything going to online, including our church here locally, things just diminished, you know? Community wasn't happening. We were so used to meeting together in person and worshiping and praying in person in my men's group, and, and all that was moving to a Zoom environment, and it just, I felt myself like, I felt exhausted. And I was like, man, something has gotta, something's gotta change. Like, I'm gonna run out of energy. And I hate that feeling of despair, because I know the Lord's better than that, you know what I mean? And so I just got online and uh, looked up, you know, 12 Stone. 
And sure enough, they had 12 stone online, I think is what it was called at the time. I just felt like the life roll back in. It's funny because we didn't think of it at first. We just kept sending it to people. Then we just started opening it up and, and instead of thinking, here, you should listen to this, it was more of, hey, you should come over. It was really like Dan Tab and Shavea, and then Shavea had been working on her sister to come, and she built a relationship with her sister's stepdaughter, and her sister's stepdaughter got baptized. God has answered so many of my prayers. Things just lit up, you know, my life just totally did a 360, you know what I mean? I used to be a community pastor, kind of fell away from the church just a little bit, but this group and 12 Stones kind of opened up a door for me to actually enter back in. I'm sitting in a hundred times better place today than I was even two or three months ago. Lives are being changed, yeah. Not only can they come into a home and feel comfortable immediately because there's soft furniture and great coffee, but they can take it at their own pace. We love hospitality. We love good food. We love barbecue. We love that southern piece of us, you know? So let's bring that to the Northwest, man. Let's show people what an open door policy looks like. Let's show people what a front porch can do for our neighborhood. But my hope is that other people will now jump on board and we get to do the same thing. We've seen that, we've seen that with Lynn. Lynn is now opening up her house. I think a lot of people here have been burned or turned away from church. There's not a normal family structure here. So they walk into a church and Sometimes it doesn't always feel comfortable because you're walking into an environment where it's all like perfect families and it's hard for them to get plugged in. It's hard for them to feel loved and accepted. And I really believe the home environment is where they really feel like this is, I can really, I can really know Christ here. I can, I can really get to know Jesus here. Beautiful, isn't it? And you know, Jason, as beautiful as that is, it comes down to the one. Shavea, spiritually unresolved, uh, totally disconnected from Christ and his kingdom, gets invited to this group. She's 20 years old, comes to faith, gets on fire for Jesus, starts reaching others. She just turned 21 this past month. You know what her, do you know what her birthday wish was? The group was asking, what do you wish? I mean, you're 21. I mean, this is breakthrough in adulthood. What do you wish? He said, I wish I could go to 12 Stone live just once and be in the worship where they capture this experience. So last week, they flew her in, and she worshiped here at Sugarloaf live with all of us last weekend. How's that for a 21-year-old birthday? Isn't that profound? And this is a disposition, Jason. The whole thing you've been talking about, this is a fire that gets in someone. Uh, tell the story while they were here. It's humbling to watch that for me. Can I be honest? It's humbling. Because we, I'll speak for myself, my life can get so here, all about me. I watched. John's just like in real estate. Like he just has a job like everyone else does. He's not a superhero. He opens up his living room and his disposition is like, hey, let's see what an open door policy can do for my neighborhood. <sighs> Write that down. Let's see what a front porch can do to change a neighborhood. Like that's, 
that's not a project to-do list. That's a disposition of the heart. Listen, maybe you watch that story and you go, oh, I thought I had to be like a superhero to lead a 12-stone home. And maybe you watch that story, you're watching online, and you're just sort of enjoying church through online, but the Spirit of God might have tapped you and said, I've given you this living room for a reason. I've put you in this neighborhood for a reason. I put you in this dorm or this apartment for a reason. Show this apartment what it looks like to have an open door policy for the sake of the gospel. We would love to help you do that. Text home to 37748. We would love to train you up just like we did them. But it's more than just, this isn't just like a ministry strategy we have. This is a disposition that I think God is birthing in people. We're finding people that are lined up with us in this. So last weekend, John and Kim show up. And it's funny, if this is in you, you don't get to leave it at home. So they flew here from Spokane all the way to 12 Stone, here locally. And they got here, and they ate dinner here locally. They don't even even live here, bro. Talk to their waitress. Hey, it's this church called 12 Stone, man. You got to show up. So they brought their waitress with them last Sunday when they were here. They've invited people to church they don't even, they didn't know the, I don't know, like just, it's over here somewhere. Look up online. They don't even know the details. It's just in them. And can I just, can I talk to us? There's a disposition that whether you lead a 12 stone home or come to a campus, there's a disposition God wants to raise up in you. And your disposition is wherever you are, you are part of that gospel presence we think God wants to bring across this territory. If you're sitting in a restaurant, if you're sitting in a coffee shop, if you're teaching in school, if you're at work, part of the disposition God wants to shape is we believe there's a move of God coming and we want to partner with him. And it might be time for you to make invitations. Dude, come to church with me. Maybe time for you to go, listen, you're not going to show up to church with me until you sit at my kitchen table. So come to dinner. Like what if this spirit disposition of hospitality and decency would rise up in us as a church? I think God would use that to advance his kingdom in ways that this generation needs that didn't need to happen 10 years ago, but it needs to happen now. And so, man, we are so proud of what John and Kim are doing, so proud of what's happening in 12 Stone Home, but we are so excited about how God wants to advance his kingdom forward. Pray that over us. Pray that God would help us before him walk in that almost doctrine of decency Mm -hmm. and be his witnesses. Pray with us. Just bow your heads. Maybe you need to be in a receiving posture here, home, across, like, God, I, I want this. Call me to something. So, Jesus, we stand here because of what you did on the cross, and we can have unity inside the walls. We can be decent outside the walls, not because we're good, but because you were good in our place. And so, God, we sung the song available today, and that's a dispositional song. God, here I am. It's all yours. I'm available. Lord, would you open our eyes to the things you've placed in our hands that you want to use for your kingdom's sake? I don't think you ever bless us just for us. You bless us to be a blessing. And so, Lord, there might be people now that you're going to call to open up their living rooms and backyards and porches. There are going to be people you're going to call right now to just say, I have to be a good neighbor for the sake of Jesus. There are places you've got to clean some things up in us, God, because we're not decent out in the world and we're not carrying your name well. God, would you call us up to something? And if the future of evangelism is decency, God, oh, make us decent people that treat people decent. 
So God, any place that you would call us up to that, would you do that? Any place that you would say, I want you to be available here and you're not, would you awaken us to it? And ultimately, everything any of us have, any of us own, is for your kingdom's sake anyway. So God, we are available. Would you tell him that? God, I am available. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.